Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Claudia Monicelli with another episode of Multiple Voices. My Multiple Voices podcast, true to its name, includes different series. For example, we have the Voices of Love, where we discuss relationships, the voice of empowerment, the voice of laughter and play, the voice of pleasure, and the magical voice of archetypes and how they change the way we live. But we also have the voice of memory that includes everything from history to discussions of past life regression. There's also writing voices where we interview both seasoned writers and authors who have just started getting their feet wet with writing and we learn what can work for you as potential writers. Our series called Voice of the Spirit discusses different forms of spirituality and religion. And then Channeling Voices is a series that covers what happens when you channel, but is also extended to mediumship. Take a moment to review this podcast if you've enjoyed listening, and leave a hearty five stars. I'd appreciate it. Enjoy your listening. Ladies and gentlemen, it's me again, Claudia Monicelli, and I'm here with another episode of my podcast, Multiple Voices. I'm very, very pleased to have with me a woman, and I have both men and women, but today I'm especially happy to speak to Carrie-Anne Pizzullo. Carrie, say hello to our guests. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Claudia. Yeah, I'm so glad you take you took the time to be with us today. Let me first introduce you, and then I'll start with my bombarding to you with the questions and playing the devil's advocate. Who is Carrie? Carrie is a professional tarot reader, and everyone knows what that is. But she's also the founder of Nerd Witch Writing and Creative Consulting. I will leave that first as a question, but I'm going to go on first to introduce you and then come back to all of these goodies. And in that uh, group, she supports spiritual and wellness professionals in shining their light to make the world a better place. She has a PhD in American women's history and is, well, she's a goddess after all. And she is the author of Bachelors and Bunnies, The Sexual History of Playboy. And I laughed so hard when I saw that. And I'm thinking, I got to talk to this woman. (laughs) And Carrie also has a forthcoming book, which explores mystical lessons on life, death, and grief in a dying world. And that's what our theme will be here. So um, we all know what tarot reading is all about. Uh, Maybe not all of us, but that's more common. What about this nerd witch writing and creative consulting? What is that? This is a new project that I've recently launched, um, which I'm absolutely loving because I think it really integrates the two sides of me, the academic intellectual side and the spiritual woo-woo creative side. Right, right. Um, So I'm offering um, writing and creative support, social media, graphic creation, things like Mm -hmm. that, um, to wellness coaches, spiritual professionals, and Mm -hmm. and things like that. And I'm helping them get their work out into the world. Good for Um, you. Beautiful. Yeah, I say that that spirit is my passion, but writing is my superpower. Yeah. So I'm really um, supporting uh, other professionals in that way. Well, it's so, so important for people to put black on white, so to speak, because it has to be heard. It has to be read. It has to be spoken about. 
So right. that is right. great. And so you witch writing, huh? I love that witch writing. <laughs> that's used yeah. up until recently. That's been such a um, looked down upon word. And still a lot of people have trouble hearing that word witch, you know. And, and uh, you, as you saw, as you heard, I said, she's a goddess after all. And, you know, there are two sides to the same coin in many ways. Um, so now let's go to this I know what a PhD in women's history could be. That's pretty self-explanatory. But what about the Bachelors and Bunnies, the sexual history of Playboy? What got you into writing that about that? Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> that... <laughs> it's going to be a long story, folks. That's a whole episode on its yeah. own. So I'll try All and right. be brief. No, no. Take um, your time. <laughs> this project started um, early in graduate school many moons ago. Uh Um, It was supposed to be a paper, a 30-page paper that I wrote for one semester course. Uh Uh I had always been interested, certainly in women's history, but particularly uh, the history of gender and sexuality in Uh the United States and the 1950s. I was always fascinated by that decade. And um, I additionally love anything pop culture. So um, I had actually been reading a book by Barbara Ehrenreich about Mm. masculinity in the 1950s. And she mentions Playboy. And Mm -hmm. I thought, huh, that's interesting. How did this magazine, which many people considered to be pornography, and at the time I did, I I no longer do at this point. But at the time I thought, how did pornography become mainstream in a decade because it was founded in 1953 yes how was it founded how was this how did this go mainstream in a decade that was supposedly so conservative yeah because in the united states the 50s are really um remembered for being a particularly conservative time so i just started digging into this it was only supposed to be 30 pages (laughs) um this was oh gosh 2003 2004 2005 in 2022 i'm still getting major international media interview requests to talk about Playboy. Um, It's like, we just can't get enough. Um, I, I, the, the paper turned into my dissertation, which turned into my book. Um, Because as I started to, to dig into the history of Playboy, the research just really opened up. What was the thread? What was the thread in your, um, uh, in your PhD? What, angle did you take Mm -hmm. to do that to assess that well and this was kind of the the fun part but also Mm -hmm. um something that i still struggle with to this day um if you've seen any of the recent news about playboy uh based on a new documentary that's come out um but i've always been a feminist yeah and so i absolutely consider myself a feminist historian but as i started to dig into playboy I was assuming I was just going to find sexism. Yes. Um, yes. You know, and, and that's the story that's often told. But what I discovered was in addition to all that we know about Playboy as a sexist yeah. magazine, as objectifying mm-hmm. of women, that there was actually a lot of pro-woman yeah. stuff Yes. In yes. that magazine yeah. in the yeah. 50s, 60s, yeah. and early 70s. I'm going to make you laugh now. Yeah. Um, during, uh, like I, I, we were talking before we got on and I was telling you half of my life was spent in the United States and half in Italy. Um, in, during my university years, uh, 
I worked in a health club and uh, I worked in a health club for about five, seven, eight years. And during that time, uh, I was giving, you know, courses, lessons to women, you know, exercising, jumping up and down. One of the women became so, uh, she wanted to be my friend. She, you know, you have to meet my son. You have to meet my son. You have to meet my son. And when a mother says that you have to meet their son, it's not going to go well, right? <laughs> okay, once, two, three, five, I said, okay, let's meet your son. He, she gave him my number. It was a home phone number. He contacted me and he said, why don't we go out? And I said, oh, okay. He said, I'll take you to dinner. And he comes and picks me up. And he said, you know, not knowing you, and wanting to make a very good impression, I uh, planned for us to go to the Playboy Club and have dinner. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was living in northern Jersey at the time, and we have a Playboy Club in the hills of you know Jersey. And I thought, oh, how interesting. And we went. And I tell you that... the. I thought, well, this guy's pretty smart for doing this. I mean, there was no, absolutely no attraction. No attraction. There was. I knew before I went that it was going to be a failure. But I went to the club. We sat down. And it was so high class, but not too high class that you would feel out of line no matter what you wore. And it was very, very particular. It's one of the most particular places I had ever been. And even the bunnies who came to um, to serve us, in no way, in no way did you feel uncomfortable because they were showing their, uh, their wares and you were not. It was very, very um, calm and high class. And you felt comfortable. You felt Wow, if I'm here, this is, you know, and and this is, while you were talking, it made me think of that. And when you said that it was pro-women, there was a lot, and I thought, well, it had to be for it to be so successful. Mm-hmm. And you being still interviewed and still, you know, requested to be interviewed goes a long way in mm-hmm. saying that we haven't spoken about that phenomenon enough, enough. And... Will there be a comeback of something like that today, do you think, for women? Oh, goodness. Um, There's so much there. So when I say that there there are aspects of the magazine that were pro-woman, I'm talking very specifically about a pre-feminist culture. Yes. There's a, there's a real difference between what's happening in American culture before the women's yes. movement of the late 60s and early 70s and then after. Right. So in the context of that pre-feminist culture, Playboy absolutely, I think, was a very sexist magazine. Yes, yes. Um, but there was a lot in the magazine that was supportive of sexual freedom for everybody, mm-hmm. not just men. Now, granted, sexual freedom for women in the context of Playboy was for the benefit of men. Yes. But it was still available to women. And it yes. portrayed women's sexuality in a way that you couldn't find in mainstream American culture at the time. Yeah. And a lot of women read Playboy in those yeah. years, in the 50s I and 60s, too. because I did too. they considered it a mature treatment mm-hmm. of sex, mm-hmm. not dirty, not sort of, mm-hmm. you know, 
icky or anything yeah. like that. Something mature and relatively classy. Well written. I, I, it was well, well written. written. Yeah, good writers, good journalism, high, a high quality high magazine. Quality. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that after the feminist movement and the sexual revolution in the Vietnam era, American culture changes and really moves past what Playboy was offering in the magazine. And we get a much more expansive notion of sexual freedom and, and feminism and, and all of that kind of stuff. So when I make this argument, you know, it's very nuanced. I'm yeah. not saying it's a feminist yeah. magazine. Mm -hmm. um, as far as are we going to see something like that again? I don't think we're going to see the elevation of a white male centered cultural empire, because right. that's what Playboy was right. in the 60s right. and it 70s. Was. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Um, it was a cultural empire way beyond the magazine, mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. beyond the clubs. Yeah. It was a very influential cultural icon. Um, I don't think we're going to see something like that as much as sexism and objectification and misogyny absolutely still exist. Yeah. I think the culture has changed too much mm -hmm. and I'm not sure our culture would accept it okay. to a degree that it was accepted in the 50s yeah. and mm -hmm. 60s. I get it. Right. I mean, post Me Too. I mean, in my reference earlier, if you've seen anything about Playboy in the news lately, mm -hmm. again, even in 2022, it's still making news. There's um, a new uh, docu-series. It's, it's currently playing on uh, the A&E network. Mm -hmm. It's like 10 episodes. And I was um, interviewed for many hours uh, in the production of that. I do mm -hmm. not appear on uh -huh. camera, uh, but I was a part of the production. And this the series documents horrific accounts of abuse mm. um, by many women over mm. decades at the hands of Hefner and his inner circle. Mm -hmm. um, so I think particularly as more and more of that kind of stuff comes to light, mm -hmm. um, we are just becoming more and more suspicious mm -hmm. of these men who have almost unlimited power in yeah. our culture. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, now let's turn the tables and get to the good stuff. Um, you have a book coming out uh, that explores mystical lessons on life, death, and grief in a dying world. Now, that is a big mouth load, um, yes. mouthful of things. Let's start with individual words, mystical lesson. For you, mysticism, mystical, what does that mean? Um, I use a lot of these words kind of interchangeably, mysticism, mystery, magic. What I'm speaking to, um, speaking about is spirit and our relationship to spirit and the ways in which it manifests um, in our normal, mundane, earthly lives. Okay, so lessons on life, death, and grief in the dying world. So let's take the dying world. When you say mm -hmm. a dying world... Uh, you put it right after grief and you think, oh, my God, people are dying and the world is dying. What what do you mean by the dying world? I mean exactly what you said, that, right, we're all experiencing our own losses and especially over the last couple of years. Um we experience grief in these personal ways when we lose a loved one, we lose a pet. Yeah. Um, more and more people are losing homes to wildfires and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. then, as you said, the the earth itself is is dying mm -hmm. right unless something dramatically changes really quickly and maybe not even then um 
because of climate change, we're seeing environmental collapse speeding up all around us. And unfortunately, over the last few years, even before the pandemic, I had experienced a series of losses, both human mm -hmm. and animal, mm -hmm. um, including uh, two people who were very close to me. And I was very lucky up until that point in my life in that I hadn't lost anyone close to me. And then I got slammed repeatedly mm. um, over several years. So I was experiencing grief in a new way. But at the same time, I was coming to the visceral realization of climate collapse. Okay. So and now, be so, but, but the climate collapse had nothing to do with your personal grief. That was just your awareness of the environment is that right i actually no i would say um even before the the individual personal deaths mm -hmm. began in yeah. my life um i had had this realization of the reality of climate change and what i prefer to call climate collapse um and i went into a period of deep grieving okay um it became a, it, it became a personal crisis for me particularly as a mother so you're talking to us from Colorado. Have you always lived in Colorado? No, not at all. I grew up in Ohio and then I moved to New York and New Jersey is an important part of my life because I'm obsessed with Bruce Springsteen. So I'm very, <laughs> <laughs> um, I still consider New York my home, but um, uh -huh. I moved to New York uh, several years ago. I mean, Colorado several years ago. Okay. Okay. So let's go backtrack a little bit because we have the, the image of an academic who started out, well, an academic tarot reader like myself, you know, but yeah. um, who now is sort of leaving a topic that you can't ever get rid of this women's history because people are still coming to you for interviews and I get the same but now we are going back to the founder you know of the nerd witch writing and creative mm -hmm. consulting so you are literally in my eyes a person who is waking up the witches to be able to have them communicate and write yeah. Um, now, can you tell us what the book is about, how it's uh, divided, how you've explored, how, what is it about? So um, it's really about a macro and a micro exploration of life, death, and grief, because this has uh, manifested in my life. Um, in these two ways at the same time, my grief for the dying world and my grief for loved ones who have passed. Um, so I'm really thinking about what it means to live into death. Um, that's the phrase that I use. It's, it's, it's kind of been my survival tactic. Okay, <laughs> um, living, living into death. That's um, the way I've been navigating my grief. Um, coming into greater acceptance of death. Yeah. My own, as well as others, uh, the death of the natural environment around me. Mm -hmm. And really what that means is I've really had to dig into my spiritual beliefs and my spiritual practices and my beliefs about spirit and the afterlife. Okay. All right. So, to survive this grief. All right. So now we're in we're in the, the hub of what we really want to, you know, to sort of uh, talk about in in an, an articulated way in a in a in a very specific way you do mention magic you mention magic a lot and you call mm -hmm. it energy intuition mm -hmm. spirit can we 
narrow, not narrow it, but can we talk a bit about magic more? Because mm-hmm. I don't believe we talk enough about it. Mm-hmm. And and then I'll, you know, one at a time, I'll come back and give you mm-hmm. more <laughs> to talk mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sure different people have different definitions of, of what magic is. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, particularly for a lot of practitioners of witchcraft, it means manipulating energy, right? You can move energy, you can shift energy, you can work with energy to create outcomes that you want to manifest in your life. Okay, hold on. Um, When you mm -hmm. say uh, manipulating, we're talking about both the positive connotation of manipulating and the negative connotation, because manipulation can have both, no? It, it, it could be. I mean, you could use this stuff for good and you could use it for bad. Like you can use right. anything for because good Because a lot of people bad. come to me and they say, I'm, I, I think I'm an object. I've been targeted with black magic. That's the first thing they say. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And, you know, and I think it's just our... Um, our association of this word witch and witchcraft mm-hmm. right right the first thing a lot of people think is somebody's doing something scary to me they're putting a, a curse on me right but you don't have to ever encounter a witch in your life to have somebody right. mistreat you obviously right? the vast majority of people i have ever encountered who identify as witches are so gentle and loving <laughs> yeah, yeah um so yeah so i say i say manipulation i mean it uh, in, in a neutral sense. I mean, working with energy, okay. using energy um, to affect outcomes that you want in your life. And Can you, you know, give us I, an I, example, Carrie? Yeah, I would be so happy to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I laugh because I, I mentioned Bruce Springsteen yeah. already. Um, I'm beyond obsessed with him. But literally, <laughs> probably the best um, energetic work I've ever done, or maybe my favorite, I would say my favorite spell, which um, is just another word for working with energy, right? Or setting an intention. My favorite spell was to manifest a meeting with Bruce Springsteen, and it worked. <laughs> Logan, now you're going to have to tell us. You're going to have to tell us all about it. Okay, so this was um, this was in 2016, mm-hmm. and uh, I had heard from his. Uh, th- there's a serious satellite radio Bruce Springsteen channel that I listen to all the time, and they <laughs> said that they were going to be announcing a contest sometime soon to meet Bruce in mm-hmm. Italy, actually, oh. to get tickets to a show in Rome and then meet Ooh. him backstage. And I was like, "This is my chance." Yeah. And I thought, if this contest is about writing, ah. I'm going to win it oh. because I am. I am a writer and I waited and waited for the announcement. And they said, the, the contest is that you're going to write a paragraph about why you should meet Bruce Springsteen in Rome. And I was like, Oh my God, it's about writing. I'm going to win. So I wrote my paragraph and I did some serious energy work and intention setting and I lit candles and I was like, this is going to happen. I told my husband, don't plan anything for July because (laughs) we're going to Italy. I was in it on the day they said they were announcing the winner. I was literally like sitting by my phone nervous because I was waiting for them to call me. I was like, I, I got this. I got this. This is, you know, I'm a witch. I'm making this work. Well, I didn't win. Oh, I was so sure. <laughs> I cried. I cried oh. for days. And, you grieved. Um, I grieved. I grieved. <laughs> yeah. I was like, 
you know, because I was disappointed that I wasn't going to Italy and I wasn't going to meet Bruce, but I was also like, what does this mean about ah, my practice? Right. And what does this mean about, about energy me and intention? And energy, yeah. and am I, you know, um, you know, making all this up or whatever? Well, that was in the spring of 2016. Yeah. In uh, August or September, he announced um the publication of his autobiography and that he was going on a book tour <laughs> and i ended up um going th there were small numbers of tickets for each appearance around mm -hmm. the country and there was one bookstore a barnes and noble in la that was not ticketed it was first come first serve oh no and i said i'm going to meet bruce <laughs> i flew out the night before i i arrived outside the store on the sidewalk at 7 30 p.m he was due to arrive at noon the next day but the oh line God. had already started morning. <laughs> So I spent 17 hours on the sidewalk in LA and I did meet Bruce. I got oh. a picture with him. I got to hug him. I got to show him the tattoo uh, that I got for him. And not only that, but I made amazing friends in that line that I, oh. I was texting with today. It's five, Good. six years later. So it didn't... Um, Occur. My manifestation right. didn't happen in the way I visualized right, it, right? but it still happened a few months later. And I mean, granted, meeting Bruce in Rome would have been amazing, <laughs> but I didn't imagine getting amazing friends out of the deal. Right. So right. if you leave yourself open to the way the universe wants to make it happen for you, it can mm -hmm. still happen in unexpected ways. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing at me. I, I, this is a story that you... Uh, don't forget for a very long time. <laughs> okay, so so now we're um, because magic for you is uh, has in your description is a spiritual practice, mm -hmm, all about mm -hmm. intentions and desires mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. like that. You do mention the goddess, and mm -hmm. I'm wondering. Mm -hmm. What the goddess is, what I work with archetypes. I know, you know one chapter of my book is on the goddess and <laughs> goddess, goddess on the wall. I mean, I know mm -hmm. all about the goddesses mm -hmm. in the world, the mm -hmm. history of goddesses. Mm -hmm. um, what does the goddess mean to you? Um, I don't, well, let me say, I, I don't think that source has a gender. But I do think that we relate to divine the energy source. of divine, divine source. source. Mm -hmm. I don't think it has a gender, mm -hmm. um, but I do think we relate to that energy in different ways that make sense to us. Mm -hmm. And I do believe, I suspect that it is actually true mm -hmm. that um, that energy does exist as a consciousness mm -hmm. in different forms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I do believe that goddess energy is real. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when I sort of had what I call my spiritual awakening and began on this path. When um, was that? Was Can a, you tell us when that was about? That was in 2013. Okay. All right. Um, when I realized the path of witchcraft and paganism and goddess and magic and all of that stuff. Um, it, it also, though, was a, a conscious decision to relate to divine energy 
in a feminine form because it's what resonates for me. I had to give myself permission to do that. I had been denying it to myself for a long time. Mm -hmm. Because I thought it was just wishful thinking, I wish, but, wishful feminist yeah. thinking. Let me let um, me um, just pause yeah. for a second because mm -hmm. um, you talked about awakening and you had to give yourself permission to do it, and there was an intention there. There was definitely a choice to do that. So yes. when you mention awakening, awakening usually is something. It's not an aha moment, but it is enlightenment. And that to me doesn't come hand in hand with an intention to go there. And now I'm wondering, mm -hmm. there must have been something that occurred in your life that brought you toward awakening. Is that the way it went? Um, yeah, I, w when I say the word awakening, I mean profound realization mm -hmm. and recognition of spirit and my relationship to it and my particular path. Um, part of that was allowing myself the space to relate to that energy in a feminine form, to give myself permission to say, yeah, I'm going to call it goddess. That's yeah. what makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Um, but and I'm going to allow your myself. life in, in your life, did some, was it paired with grief? Grief? Was there something that radically changed during that time? No, actually not at all. Uh -huh. It's um it's it's actually very not it's very okay. unmagical how uh -huh. this happened. Um my whole life I had been interested in spirituality, paranormal, metaphysical, mystery, all that stuff, but I never put it together as a formal spiritual path. Mm -hmm. Leading up to this awakening, I had spent several years dabbling mm -hmm. in different traditions, trying to find my path because I felt the need for something formal mm -hmm. and I, it wasn't, I wasn't finding it. Yeah. And, um, my best friend had been talking to me for a long time. She, she had been moving in and out of witchcraft and goddess worship. Um, and I had first discovered goddess spirituality actually, um, in college. Yeah. And it was really eye-opening for me. But as I got older, I thought that that's all it was, that it was yeah. like feminist exploration for a 22-year-old girl. Mm. And it wasn't real. Well, there was there was the goddess movement, and it is a historical phenomenon. And it oh, was right. it, it wasn't it, it it was I don't remember if the exact name is the goddess movement or the but there was a really it, it was not religious. And that's the first time uh, there was talk about goddesses. Oh, right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I just felt for me that it was wishful thinking. Uh-huh. That it wasn't that that I, I unfortunately, stupidly, naively, <laughs> when I was 22 years old, looked at that history of feminist spirituality. And although for a short time, it seemed to really open up my eyes to this uh, spiritual path, over time, I began to think that it was um, feminist compensation for patriarchal religion. Oh, 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 I see. I see. That the spirituality itself wasn't real. Okay, that, I see. that trying to say that divine source was feminine was just feminist grasping. I see. I see. Trying to make it so. <laughs> I get it. Um. So I pushed it aside for a long time. I thought, oh, I was just young and I was just like, you know, well, that's being a, a lot of feminist. work. That's a long route to get to that. That was yeah. many 
I mean, that's hard work. That that is a lot, many moons of of thinking and experiencing. Yes. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Hats off to you, Carrie. Hats off to yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so my best friend was my soul sister, twin mm-hmm. person. Um, mm-hmm. She had been going in, in and out of this stuff over the years. So it was like, you know, conversations continued, mm-hmm. but I didn't take it seriously. And then one day I was like, oh my God, I've checked off every tradition on my list that I've wanted to look into and mm-hmm. none of them fit for me. Ugh, let me Google witchcraft. I literally <laughs> Googled it. Yeah. And I came on the Wikipedia page for Wicca. Mm. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was me all along. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't, I'm, I'm don't consider myself Wiccan now. I was initiated into Wicca. Mm. I'm much more um, sort of a, uh, 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 a buffet <laughs> picking yeah. and choosing from different different traditions now but that was that was my awakening was a wikipedia page and mm-hmm. i threw myself in wholeheartedly yeah. and ended up with some intense spiritual experiences mm-hmm. that opened my eyes to different things and it's it's never been the same since well this brings us to a very important part of our talk because we're into grieving and the afterlife and the afterlife is where I wanted to go that was my witchy intention from the beginning mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um what let's talk about grieving and the afterlife do they go together or anything afterlife what happens in the afterlife why um it, why because you mentioned to me that grieving was a not a safeguard but it was a survival survival kit thinking about the afterlife, it was a survival gift for grieving. Maybe you can explain all that to us. Absolutely. So thank, thank the goddess, I had this, these spiritual beliefs and the spiritual grounding um, before all of these deaths started to occur in my life, particularly mm-hmm. my father, mm-hmm. um, who I was very close to. Actually, yesterday was the anniversary of the two-year anniversary of what I've come to think of his transition day. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I didn't have these spiritual beliefs, I don't know how I would have kept my sanity yeah. through his transition. Yeah. And it, right after he died, I just started reading book after book mm-hmm. of the afterlife to get that yeah. reassurance, to remind myself that as much as I hate this, this new state of being, <laughs> he's yeah, yeah. not in his body anymore. Right. Um, I completely believed and I, I believe I know that he still exists that death is mm-hmm. not what we think it is right that yes it's the body but he is still here and he is still with me and so I immediately sort of embarked on an adjustment I began to think of okay well this is just this is a new dynamic in our relationship this yeah. is a new stage in our relationship mm-hmm. and i need to learn how to work with this and nurture it and explore it and all of that gave me much a much greater sense of acceptance of his transition okay it's still very hard but it's, m- it, it's much a, more accepting you we carry it with us every day um, how many times of day you want? Oh, let me pick up the phone. You know, I'll pick up the phone. Right, right, um, right. Now, you said you read so many books on the afterlife. What did you learn about the afterlife? What were the first initial discoveries of what you were reading? 
Well, I think a lot of it I already knew, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that death isn't what we think it is. It's not real. Um, the veil between the worlds is so thin and permeable. And In what sense? Maybe you could explain it to our audience. We can communicate. Mm-hmm. We can communicate, right? We're still living together. We're still in relationship. I think of this as, I think of the worlds. Yeah. The, um, their dimension and our dimension or all of the dimensions. I think of it as a hotel, Okay. And I think that we and our bodies live on one floor, one of the lower floors. Right. Once you leave your body, you now occupy one of the upper floors on this in this hotel. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of learning to work the elevators to connect with each other Mm -hmm. and to communicate. And so it was very important for me to remember that my dad is still here. Like, I think literally as I'm speaking to you, he's sitting next to me. Right. Right. And and so I, I knew all of that already. But reading these books about the afterlife just reminded me yeah. and reassured me. Mm-hmm. So let's say um, when you talk about afterlife, um, I'm not sure how, you know, what you embrace or ascribe to. But um, do you uh, believe in past lives and reincarnation? And so... Um, did that cause any difficult for you knowing that your dad's soul may have reincarnated? Nonetheless, he's still with you and you can still communicate because you can no matter where they are. But did you have trouble mm-hmm. going there with that idea of where could he be? He could be a woman, a young girl now, you know, so there's yeah. many things. That's such a good question. Um, I do believe in reincarnation for sure. Mm-hmm. I haven't worried that he has already reincarnated that's not my now let me let me let me get we're a talking caveat. about the soul it that that's what i i it, it's a soul even if they have reincarnated yeah you you that's what i was gonna the say soul, not the body yeah, yeah. I, I don't know in how many places we exist at one time yeah <laughs> right but um, you talked about timelines didn't you did you talk about timelines at all no 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 because um you were talking about worlds and in yeah, the many worlds. Yeah. And that yeah, has it's, it's, to do with our notion of time mm-hmm. and the timelines mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. our existence uh, comes about in many different dimensions. But go on. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it actually didn't occur to me that maybe, well, actually, my sister um, had a baby a few months after he died. Uh-huh. Um, I, I don't think that he's my dad. No, it um, doesn't usually happen that way. They don't they don't reincarnate in the same experience or the same families it's doesn't really yeah yeah. my understanding is is that there is a lot of overlap um Mm. but i i could be well it depends on what his soul you know i would have need time but it depends Mm -hmm. on what his soul um chose as a contract and chose as an experience for the next life um Mm -hmm. but I'm getting the response. He's not there. He's not with the family there. He's in another area of the world. It's mm-hmm. not the United States. Um, mm-hmm. And we're talking about um, South America. Uh, this is, oh, this is interesting. Where, yeah, South America and quite far south in, in mm. the Americas. And, um, and he's still 
a boy, you know, a fat male, mm-hmm. male, but mm-hmm. um, completely different environment, completely different social uh, uh, level and, and conditions. But, mm-hmm. but interesting. Um, yeah. 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 Thank you. I mean, it, it hadn't occurred to me. I still but feel him light. so much. I see he's in the light. He's definitely in the light when he passed. Uh, he's not mm-hmm. earthbound, uh, had a mm-hmm. wonderful transit, mm-hmm. resting in peace, as they say. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I hear from him so much particularly in dreams. Yeah. Um, so one way or another, I think he's he's still with me and communicating. Oh, yeah. um, so I don't know if these are like different pieces of our souls that yeah. sort what of about, do these different things at once. You mentioned yeah. your sister and um, she has, was she also close to your dad when he, at the time of passing? Um, yes, but they had a, a more a challenging relationship. Okay. Yeah. And um, has she ever said to you that she hears from him or she dreams about him or she communicates with him? Yeah. She's definitely had dreams of him. Yeah. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you have any other siblings? Um, I, I have a brother uh, who was uh, my dad's stepson. Okay, okay, because then, you know, it, it gets to be a little complicated, but, but it's interesting that, have you ever been able to ask him for advice for certain things? Have you ever done that? Like, so actually a conversation. You know what's very funny that you mentioned that? So the last dream I had about him was just several days ago. And these, these dreams are intense and yeah. so real and emotional, and I, I can bet feel you him. And there's a lot of hotels in your dreams. <laughs> Oh, right, right. <laughs> exactly, right. We're on the elevator. Yeah, right, yeah. we're meeting yeah. in between yeah, yeah. there. And um, it took him a, a long time to be able to show up in my dream and speak. Ah. So he's only started talking recently. Uh-huh. And most of the time, he's not saying much. You know, it's me sobbing and saying, I miss you, I miss you, I miss <laughs> you. And him saying, you don't have to miss me. Yeah. You know, like the sense that like, I'm not gone, whatever. What yeah, are you yeah. worried about? But this last dream... He said to me very clearly, you need temporary supplemental insurance. (laughs) Is there such a thing as temporary? Uh, Yes. Oh, yes. What did you mean by that for some kind of dental work or some? (laughs) The weird thing is we just bought a very old used RV. Yeah. And in the dream, I had a sense that he was talking about the RV. And he had an RV and it's like a whole thing in our family. (laughs) And we just bought this a few weeks ago and it broke down immediately and and all this stuff. And I was like, what's going to happen to the RV? And the next day I texted my sister and my two cousins um, because we talk about this stuff a lot. And I was like, what is going to happen to the RV? And I Googled it and you can get like six month insurance on a vehicle. (laughs) I see. Now I understand. Yeah. And I was like, are we going to have an accident? (laughs) Within a couple of days... We had somebody come out and look at the RV who told us that it's almost trashed. It's in such worse condition than we had realized. Mm. And I forgot about the dream. My sister was like, maybe that's why you should have got some extra insurance. (laughs) And I was like, dad, thanks for the warning, even though I didn't quite understand it. Yeah. Um, Do you ever journal about this? I mean, when you wake up, you probably would either record them or, or write about them and date them this way you can keep a journey flowing yeah. you know that's yes. that's really important for the third book fourth book whenever 
for the next right, one. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Talks with practical, dad. Practical <laughs> advice from the other side. Yeah. <laughs> Insurance <laughs> advice. Yeah. The, elevators. <laughs> yeah. the elevators. The elevators. <laughs> yes. Wow, wow. Um, so let's talk about the notion of afterlife in relation to us here today not someone older or someone that's sick or something about you because no one tends to get younger <laughs> i do yeah. i don't think that i haven't found that yes <laughs> but we counter sure. it and i'm saying that because today i went for a bone density test that i hadn't gone to in so years i was so afraid to go i thought oh my god they're going to tell me that i'm falling apart and there was nothing about that and i almost kissed yes. the woman but um uh, there is uh, there is a um a way that people, as they grow older, tend, if they want to maintain their sanity, they start to prepare for accepting and embracing a changing persona and a changing lifestyle, a changing anything, because life is change. Have you noticed that you start to do that or have started to do that in relation to yourself? Yes, absolutely. Um, and it's been difficult for me because I'm so torn. Um, bet- since my father has passed, I'm very torn between here and there. Oh, I feel like I have been living with one foot there yes. That's, and one foot here. We have to do that. That's and what the, it's all about. It would be easier, except I have a seven-year-old daughter. Yeah. Um so I'm not saying I want to die, um, uh-huh. no, but I feel not. much more open to it and accepting of it because I know I'll get to be with him again. Yeah. And so to be perfectly honest, what I've been feeling is like an appreciation for how fast time flies Yeah. because I think, well, t- the rest of my life, I, I, I on the one hand, I can't allow myself to think about the 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 expanse of the rest of my life without Mm -hmm. him yeah but at this but at this assuming i still got Mm -hmm. a while but at the same time i think well time flies so i'm gonna die soon so it's all good well except that you said there's my daughter (laughs) but you said something about transitioning that's you use the words i like to call it transitioning you said when my Mm -hmm. dad transition day his transition Mm -hmm. day All right, now, if we can explore that, and I'm saying this both for my audience and listeners and and followers and subscribers, because if you understand that life is change Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you don't live without change, you just don't, Mm -hmm. you you can die Mm -hmm. tomorrow if you don't Mm -hmm. change. And it's part Mm -hmm. of adapting and all of that. When you talk about transitioning, that Mm -hmm. word transitioning can be broadened in scope to mean that you're transitioning your way of adapting to your capabilities, your skills, your acceptance, your everything you want to, you know, call it. And we could almost liken it, you know, it's easier said than done. Uh, Everyone, please listen, I'm saying it, but it's easier said than done. Uh, Mm -hmm. I remember 20 years ago, I had a lump in my breast. I went to have it done and I thought, I want my mama. I was crying out for my mama and it was just a cyst. But when you're there... And you know, mm-hmm. my God, it's a real thing. I'm, I'm going to die. You change. You're not the, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. common, mm-hmm. balanced person. Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. we can adopt some kind of philosophical uh, perspective, and mm-hmm. not so much philosophical, but practical, 
practical mm-hmm. in the sense, well, I have all of these books. Should I leave them for my children to throw out or should I start weeding them out? Being mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, expedient in the way I do things. Why mm-hmm. am I gathering all these things? I'm going to leave. I remember mm-hmm. when my parents died, I it was such a difficult thing to go and look at their belongings and Mm -hmm. seeing their clothes and seeing their CDs and Mm -hmm. seeing their, I mean, it was just being there with these things that reeked of memories was so Mm -hmm. difficult. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, uh, maybe I should just slim down the number of books I have and try to keep the Kindle in, you know, put them in my Kindle and and get Mm -hmm. away from the material grasp Mm -hmm. of things in your hand Mm-hmm. And know that we talked about spirit and we've been talking mm-hmm. about spirit, Carrie. And mm-hmm. a spirit is light. Mm-hmm. When a person transitions, they are with you in spirit and their lightness is something that we should espouse and we should understand. In mm-hmm. your dreams, and you mentioned, you said uh, you were very sad and your dad was saying, what are you going to be sad? I'm okay. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And when I yeah. talk to my guides, they make fun of me all the time. You know, they make yeah. fun of me all the time. What are you worried about? You know? You know? Right. And and so, right. you know, we have to learn about that. But um, it's so very hard for everyone. And I think mm-hmm. that the more we do that, the easier it is to embrace with a smile on our face, with ease, with pleasure. That yes. we're except we are coming back. If we do believe in reincarnation, why the hell should we be crying over spilt milk? Mm-hmm. Ima, we're coming mm-hmm. back, and it's going to be much better. <laughs> right, right, right. Our soul has learned something after all, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and and the fact that in between lives, or if yeah. we choose to not come back, like we're. They still exist. We will yes. still exist. Yes. Right. And the I, communication. I, I, I mean, the, the, the elevators are world. working. The elevators are working in that hotel. They're working. And, 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 and those upper floors, I think, are probably more real and more significant than our floors. Yes. We just don't know that yet. Yeah. Or we haven't, we don't remember it yet. We have too many pills to pay, perhaps. <laughs> that, yes, yes, yes. That's what keeps yes. us here all this lifetime. Right. 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 <laughs> but this also has to, it ties in as well to our physical, uh, our attachment to our physical persona, the image that we have of ourselves. You know, um, I was very, very young. I had uh, my first um, relationship, my first um, with with a boy when I was very, very young. And he was always so jealous. And he said to me, why do you put makeup on? Why do you dress that way? To impress other people or to impress yourself? All these philosophical talks, right? And in the preteens, practically. And I said, well, no. I do it for myself. I literally can't go out of the door if I don't have earrings on because I feel comfortable with earrings on, you know? Mm-hmm. And and if if and and I there was I understood where he was going, but the the discussion still informs us today. And we're here, we're talking, some of us put makeup on, some of us don't, some of us, you know, do our nails, all of that as goddesses. But there is to be you have to draw a line between becoming obsessed with what you're seeing 
and what you where your image is because people have a very difficult time with their self-image and I you know I have to say that because people come to me that is their number one difficulty they don't call it that they call it other mm-hmm. things but mm-hmm. um and I think that that goes in line with our accepting our acceptance of transitioning because it will change. I mean, this face is not going to be like this in a year, two, three, four. My, my, you know, who knows what's going to drop next, you know? <laughs> and, and maybe, who knows? I, I, maybe I should start buying canes. <laughs> get, a whole, get a whole whole line of canes, really cool canes. <laughs> but, but, but that is, is, again, that too is easier said than done. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things happen, you know, physical impediments uh all of a sudden you know you're doing all of the stuff that you're doing right then all of a sudden you have a stroke and you think mm-hmm, oh well mm-hmm, i guess i'm mm-hmm, going to take mm-hmm. a break <laughs> my life stops you know right right and that's like the tower card in the tarot deck that mm-hmm. if you don't go in a certain way the universe or the powers mm-hmm. that be will hit you with something so you'd wake up and yep. you look at what has happened to you, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these are signs, I believe, that we're not used to looking at. A lot of people come mm-hmm. to me and say, look, I'm seeing one, 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 one. What does that mean? I'm seeing four, mm-hmm. two, oh, one, three or four times a day. And I said, well, I don't know. I'm not a numerologist, but it must. Yeah. Someone's trying to get your attention, no matter what right. it means, right? right. And uh, so think about that. W- what is it that you're doing that is maybe... Uh, misaligned or unaligned with source uh, uh, your mm-hmm. divinity mm-hmm. and what you need to be doing and so I guess what I'm trying to say is that acceptance of the afterlife of going toward the afterlife probably starts with trying to get our own alignment toward divinity because that's where we will be going Mm -hmm. you know we're Mm -hmm. transitioning toward light and if you Mm -hmm. have that intention if you're the good witch or the or a wizard Mm -hmm. and have that in mind it could be a little easier I Mm -hmm. think I don't Mm -hmm. know I don't know if you could give our audience one piece of advice before we close um, Mm -hmm. that would help in some way what would that advice be well, again, what has been most significant for me lately, and, you know, on this topic of, of spirit and magic and grief, is an understanding that we are spirit. You mentioned soul contracts, right? We came here in this lifetime for a reason. We chose our experiences, including the time and manner of our death, right? So when our loved ones die, I believe they chose that for themselves and we chose to experience it with them. And if you can open yourself up to that vast horizon of spirit, it provides so much comfort and peace and assurance and safety. Um, That's, that's the the first place I would start is just asking people to, to start to, to give themselves permission, right? As I gave myself permission Mm -hmm. to open up to this because it makes life and death much easier, I think. Much easier, right. Carrie Ann Pizzullo, 
Thank you so much for all of these little pearls in Italian. They say all of these little pearls that you've been giving us. Mm-hmm. It was a joy to talk to you. I hope we our paths cross again. Thank you, Claudia. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.